Welcome to the podcast series of the UNESCO Chair in Refugee Integration through Languages and the Arts. We bring you sounds to engage with you and invite you to think with us. This is episode three in our guest series, What Does Community Mean to You? This past year has felt pretty bleak for a lot of people, us included. One of the places we found a glimmer of hope is in the ways that people have been finding to support and care for each other, even across the spaces that divide us right now. This is a series celebrating the people doing the work, celebrating community and art and love and friendship maintained against the odds. This is episode three. It's a place where you can feel safe. In this episode, you'll hear from Tawona, also known as Ganya Matope, a poet and academic, Christine and Sebastian from theatre company Ice and Fire, and community development worker David from Cranhill Development Trust and Glasgow East Integration Network. You'll also hear from five people who are involved with the songwriting project Ensemble, Donna, Michael, Louise, Stephanie and Andrew. If you'd like to find out more about any of the people or organisations mentioned in the episode, you can find information and links in the show notes. Hi, I'm uh, Tawana Stolle, um, but uh, those who know me better uh, know that I like to be called Ganyamatope which is uh, my ancestral name. It's, a, it's, it's from an, a more ancient way of naming. That name is important to me because it, it um, <coughs> connects me into the, the world of uh, learning that I experienced through mostly my grandparents, which was a, a different way of learning. Um, and it, it makes me think about what teachers are and what you know knowledge is uh, for a long time i never considered my grandparents as uh, teachers but um yeah uh, i think the, the the lessons of humility and learning through creativity come from them so so yeah so i like using that name i'm a writer performer facilitator so uh, yeah uh, i'm known for being a poet and a playwright storyteller i'm a musician as well um, so yeah, my, my work has evolved from me pursuing my own creativity and uh, now it's mostly about supporting other people's work, which I'm enjoying. And I co-run Seeds of Thought, <coughs> um, which is an arts collective based in Glasgow, which is around, you know, getting together and being creative. So yeah, we have... Uh, we have our drawing and uh, writing uh, workshops, and then we have our performance evenings. I, I will say, uh, when I think of community, I think of this idiom we have in, in my mom's language, Shona, which is Kuanda um, Huya. And so by saying Kuanda Huya, we are actually thinking about life in a pr- plural form you know if even if you think in philosophy terms there's a lot of analysis of the individual and uh, there's a different kind of thinking around this that kuanda huya um it's about the community being actually the center of experience so you do things um 
in a plural kind of mindset rather than this is mine, this is mine, you know. So you you kind of um like the shared the shared aspect of life is ever present. You know, for example, uh what community <coughs> for me kind of um can aim towards I mean community is what it is, but uh I think the Kuanda Huya makes me think of things like, you know, in public spaces, how we treat public spaces, for example. Um, we, you know, we clean our holes, but then we go to a park and then we, we feel comfortable to chuck bottles on the floor, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, you know, if you've lived in a building with a, in, in a close, you know, the politics of cleaning the stairs. <laughs> you have to hire a company to sweep the stairs and you... You know, so it's it's that kind of, um, and actually, if you look linguistically in in uh, in the languages I speak from my mother and my father's side, we the family, what is called the family, is the your own siblings plus your own your what would be called the extended family. Linguistically, we don't have those terms for cousins. Uh, my my mom's sister's daughter is my sister, linguistically. Andradzi is Andradzi, and my, you know, my father's big brother's uh, s- son is my brother Mukoma. There is no, you know, differentiation between those. So that kind of gives you an idea of that kind of uh, tightness of that unit. So yeah, it's it's a kind of. So I, th- I think of those things. I think of those things. Yeah. I belong to the arts community, I would say, um, which is interesting because even uh, living in, uh, in in Scotland, you know, um, my my newfound home, uh, you know, uh, on top of the home that I was I was raised and brought up in, um, yeah, I, I'm in the arts community here, yeah, definitely. That that's that's one of the ways that Scotland has embraced me because I've found that. I've met so many people who are just interested in making art with me, you know, despite the many difficulties I've had with other issues, you know, there's racism and all that, like, stupidness, but, um, yeah, I think the arts community has embraced me uh, and made me feel like, yeah, this is my home, so that's quite important to me. The online space, you know, it's it, it's fraught, as we all know, you know, I, I have a I have a disdain sometimes, but there's a necessity there, you know, to be connected. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that that happens there, which is, you know. But what can we say? But I mean, the, the paradox is, uh, you know, as well as being a wonderful connecting, you know, tool. It is also, you know, uh, excluded many. So I I'm not sure how I feel about it because for example I I managed to be part of the Harare Inter- International Literature Festival just uh, a couple of weeks ago and you know without traveling without I I would have been traveling if if that was you know if things were different but so the ability to be to connect there and to meet people who are in different locations and that was an amazing thing you know to be able to come together like that and so that 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 has been great to sort of say oh we can overcome you know 
the physical uh, restrictions. But then, you know, when you think about internet access, that also concerns me because we then exclude so many, many people. So, yeah. Uh, I think there's a, there's a getting used to being online uh, and we're learning new rhythms, new realities because there's certain things we can't do. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a very kind of, uh, you know, present person. I don't know if that's the word. Um, all my work is about being present together, you know, the, the nuances of being in the same space, what that means. Uh, all, all my creative work is about that. It's about touching objects, you know. Um, it's about, you know, moving and speaking and seeing each other. And so not being online, I mean, not, not being uh, together in, in the physical space, uh, uh, it's needed some adjustment. But, you know, I guess this is what resilience is made of. So we've been making those adjustments, but it's we're, we're learning, we're learning new things, you know. My relationship with my my mom and my siblings, you know, in Zimbabwe is distant, and it's 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 phone calls, it's a visit, you know, once a year or once every two years, or whenever I manage. So in some ways, that has not changed. So not you know the the kind of I I guess a lot of my friends when I look at a lot of my friends now they're experiencing what I've, I've experienced with my mom for the all the time I've been away from Zimbabwe you know of being distant until you can or not knowing when you're next going to see them so so there's something about that people who live with uncertainty if if you think about even people who are you know experiencing themselves moving away from their homes you know uh, fleeing their homes people who are seeking asylum elsewhere uh, the living with uncertainty I, I don't know there's something about that uncertainty that maybe has prepared some people to deal with that uh, a bit better I'm not sure we speak a lot about diversity and this is a, a very romantic word to some level because the reality of being together with people is it's much harder. You know, it's an ideal say, oh, you know, let's be together. The, the people, the people, but the people are also annoying <laughs> at times. The people are also quite difficult. <laughs> You know, where I mean, we're walking around seeing people not wearing a mask, or have, so the mask is on the chin or something. That's the point. Uh, the people are the very ones who a bus shelter is put up, and they come and they smash the bus shelter so that now you know you're waiting for the rain for the bus, and you're getting rained on. Those are the people too. <laughs> so, so there's something interesting about. So this proverb is just a reminder that you know we have to tend all the seeds. Because they they all you know there's value in everyone I guess that's what this saying goes so it it says chengao semananga apanarisnamodzi so we have to tend all pumpkins the same because inside every pumpkin there are seeds so yeah um, that I I feel like I want to end on that chengao semananga apanarisnamodzi.
one of the unique things about theatre is this collective experience, isn't it? And that's, you know, even though, you know, we've got film, we've got TV, we've got all sorts of um, ways to experience storytelling and narrative, um, there's nothing quite like going into a shared space with other people and experiencing it as a group um, and watching and feeling that, that you know, the response from, from a group of people sort of be, be part of your response to, to the piece that you're, that you're watching. Um, so, so that is something that I think will keep theatre and live, live events in general uh, alive despite, despite everything. Um, the company itself was formed in 2003 by a lady called Sonia Linden. She's a playwright and she had worked for seven years at a charity called Freedom From Torture, which is the biggest torture rehabilitation centre in the world. It's here in London. And uh, she had met many, many uh, people who had been forced out of their countries for various reasons and come here and, and gone through the asylum process in the UK. and. It was, it was that um, engagement over several years that um, encouraged her to write a play um, about her relationship with one of the clients um, in, that she had met. And then she started a, a theatre company to produce that play because she sent it off to lots and lots of different um, venues. No one wanted it. <laughs> um, and she said, right, I like this play. I think, it's, I think it works and I want to put it on. And so that's, how, that's why she formed Ice and Fire. So that was the... That was the beginning of the company. It was initially uh, Sonia's idea was was simply to produce, write and produce, um, you know, your stand, your traditional play, and and then tour it around and um, and reach audiences in that way. But then the then the company um, developed uh, an outreach arm, which, and we also do a lot of participatory work with with marginalised communities as well. Um, exploring creative expression with them and, you know, using the power of, of, of theatre to, um, to work through some of the, some of the difficulties uh, people have, have had in their lives and, um, and, and then present that to an audience. I think it's a really compelling way of getting people to understand what is often a very hidden experience and unspoken about experience in 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 the UK you know most people don't know about the uh the rules around sort of being um, or what even what an asylum seeker is so you know they don't understand that it's a process that is to be that a person has to go through to be recognized as a refugee um and so they don't know things like uh working you know not being allowed to work living on i think it's 37 pounds 50 a week um at risk of detention and deportation um and just how convoluted a process it is and how harmful a process it is so often even if we're working with people who you know are already compassionate and supportive uh, of refugees they won't necessarily know some of the real difficulties and uh, challenges that there are for people going through the asylum process I mean, we had, you know, the summer was coming up, we had Refugee Week coming up, we had sort of a slew of bookings, uh, and we were ready, you know, I, I was ready to head out in my 
in my little car and sort of drive around the country uh, visiting different places. And uh, within a few days of them announcing the lockdown, um, pretty much everything got cancelled. Um, I had uh, been working for almost a year with um, a spoken word artist in Liverpool and we were about to do a scratch show of something we'd written together. And uh, that was supposed to be at the end of March, but that that was cancelled. And then we were supposed to do a production in May to all sorts of community venues in London, and that was cancelled. So it was a kind of, that was the first wave of it, just to go, okay, we have to just stop these shows. And we had to sort of let everyone know that was already involved and they had to sort of stop working on it. There was one reading that we were doing for Westminster University and they suggested that we do it online. So we tried it out. Uh, so we did it on Zoom um, and it actually worked really well. It just felt like, well, this is just, we just have to roll with it. Um, so, you know, we have, been, we have been staying in touch with everybody. We have been continuing R&D, continuing developing, developing work um, and trying to make it work over Zoom. We've been doing workshops over Zoom, doing some kind of R&D work over Zoom. So that's where we are at the moment, which is where most theatres are at the moment. So we all, we're all sharing in this collective grief in a way and collective hmm, limbo. You know, I think everyone knows it will come back, but it's, it's really starting to wear on everybody, I think. It, it occurred to me quite early on in, in the um, pandemic that even though I had friends, you know, I wasn't experiencing friendship, you know, because we were just texting or Zooming and it just wasn't what it was. Um, so I, I started reaching out to people locally um, and joined a book club because then yeah, a, a book club, you know, that's within sort of one mile of my where I live. So we would meet on Zoom, but then um, I'd also meet up with people individually and just go for walks with them or, you know, and there's one particular woman who um, hadn't had any social interaction at all since lockdown. I think she'd met one other person once um, and she had this kind of Im very compromised immune system. So, um, so I sort of said, well, why don't we meet up on a regular like every fortnight and so we've been doing that and just kind of walking around the local area and having coffee on a bench or whatever <laughs> um but you know i would never have done that if it wasn't for for lockdown i've been part of a a, a queer yoga group um that meet up on zoom uh to do yoga and uh sort of spending that time before starting the yoga and after the, at the end of the yoga just having a kind of uh, that zoom format of chat um has really created a sense of community for quite a disparate group we're all sort of based in different areas of well one person's actually in greece um and actually um yeah we all kind of we don't all know each other so it, uh, it's through sort of like doing this yoga and having kind of a check-in at the beginning and a check-in at the end um, and doing it really regularly that this year kind of it's become this kind of this this little community group that um, that otherwise just would never have existed really. Uh, 
I think one of the things that I've really got from this year in terms of community is that, you know, a community isn't just a group of like-minded people or the same groupings of people in terms of their identities, um, but it's just a group of people that support each other, uh, that are in some way attached to each other um, and, and care for each other. I think that's probably, uh, you know, what I would say community is, you know, if you think about a family as a community, you're all different ages, you're all different gender identities, sexualities, um, interests, careers, you know, but you are held together by this idea that your blood means that you have to all really care for each other. And I think, you know, whatever it is that is that unifying thing that says, okay, you as a group of people need to care for each other, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, that's kind of at the heart of the community is just a group of people who are caring and looking out for each other. Community. Community is an organism. Community is an organization. Community is unreal. Community is an ideal. Community is a sense. Community has a fence. Community will decide. Community will deride. Community is collective. Community is selective. Community is refined. Community is defined. Community is a word. Community is a world. My name is David Jackson. I am a community development worker at Cranhill Development Trust, and I am also the coordinator of the East Glasgow Integration Network. Uh, Cranhill Development Trust, I look after learning and development. So that includes getting people from any background, Scottish or, or from any country, involved in lifelong learning. So that can be things like IT, which is more and more prominent even these days, given the lockdown situation, adult literacy, uh, training courses for work. So things like health and safety and alcohol licensing and things like this. And any other sort of learning opportunities that we can get for people, we all try and uh, get them involved with, and that's part of my job. And then obviously with the integration side of things, I look after a lot of ESOL classes that we do. I do a lot of casework with people too, and that can be in, in any different number of things. So it can be, you know, maybe someone has a problem with their housing and they don't know where to turn. And it might not be that I know the answer, but I know who to send them to, or I can advise them a little bit. Or, you know, maybe they, they don't have food for that week or they have some sort of weird question and just because they know me, they'll come to me and I will help them as best as possible. Because of the integration network, we work with all different kinds of organizations from small sort of voluntary led or church groups all the way up to the, the Red Cross, which is, which is, I suppose, ultimately an international organization. But anyone that has any sort of interest in working with asylum seekers or refugees in the east end of Glasgow is invited to be a part of our network and, and is a part of it, I'm glad to say.
even if people don't need help, we're, we're a sort of safe place for people in a lot of cases as well. So I think that's easily forgotten is, you know, people come to groups, different organizations for like immediate help in a lot of cases, but sometimes they come because they need someone that they know and recognize to maybe just make sure they give them a lending ear and somewhere they feel safe to go and chat for a few minutes. It's not always sort of super serious things, but those sort of day-to-day interactions can be really important to people as well. The East End's an interesting area. It's a very big geographical area. So if you if you don't know Glasgow, it's a big city. If you imagine like a generic big city split into areas, the East End is about a third of it overall. Um, and it's it's got a lot of communities in there, but they're also the sort of tightly packed communities, but sparsely spaced away from each other. So Tran Hill is sort of its own little island of a quite a tightly packed community. But then sort of if quite a distance away, you've got Easter House, which is a very sort of big area with lots of people. And quite a distance away, you've got Shettleston, which is a big area with lots of people quite tightly packed. But it's, it's a really interesting place in that it's such a big geographical area and there's an awful lot in there. But even though they're all in, in the East End, the different communities can seem very far away from each other, even though they're not necessarily. And I, I don't know if that's a... Um, a result of maybe the transport links not being as good as they can be, or or maybe it is just a big geographical space. But it, it's um, it's interesting for that reason that you've got these sort of communities within the East End community that aren't necessarily uh, linked all that well. When I talk to my colleagues about Glasgow in general, like the West End, like like in a lot of cities, is is a sort of more prosperous area, although there's hardship there. And the South Side, which is actually where I live is quite a, a infamous area, though maybe not not with good reason, but an infamous area in some ways. Um, but that's got really good transport links and it's really well known. There's a lot going on there. And the northeast and the east end is an area where it sort of tends to be a bit forgotten. And, and that can be seen in a lot of ways. You know, the subway doesn't go to the east end. The transport links are a bit more sort of uh, sparse in the east end. You know, whenever there's festivals, there's not a lot of activities there. And I'm always really keen, for example, during the Refugee Festival that we have or try to have some sort of event at least that represents the East End. In terms of the rest of the city, like the people are no different. And then, you know, the, you know, there's no reason why it has to be such a such a sort of different area. But it does tend to be a little bit forgotten. And that's why I think places like Cranhill Development Trust or... Uh, like uh, Connect Community Trust or lots of other different organisations in the East become sort of really quite important hubs of activity because there's not, comparatively, there's less there in some ways. It's just somewhere they can go and be welcomed. Grand Hill Development Trust, is, it's not a religious organisation at all, but we've got this big sort of church hall space, if you will, which is ideal for so many different activities. Pre-lockdown, we would have lots of community events, big community events, community meals, or lots of different fun things, comedy nights, you name it, we've done it there. <laughs> and uh, and it's a, again, it's a good place for the community to, to congregate. And even now in sort of lockdown, we've started looking at having a few things back in the building again. And we're lucky that we have this space where it's so big that even if it's on a smaller scale, you can offer a space for people to come to 
for those of you who you've maybe lost a bit of track of during the during the lockdown period. I remember in February, maybe I think joking with a colleague about like, or maybe things are getting a bit overblown about this coronavirus thing. Because at that point, it was still like not many cases and it wasn't quite clear what was going on. And then within a few weeks of that, the first half of March, it was clear to everybody, even if it wasn't said that there was going to be big changes. And so whereas a month before we were offering classes and employability help and IT support and people were coming in and out of the shop and all, you know, normal life, essentially, it became uh, we need to source food and uh, halal food and uh, dairy and bread and all these sorts of things. And how are we going to work a sort of operation where it gets out of the door to the people that need it the most and what else do people need and we, you know, we were offering people phone credit top-ups and we were also working to help people get, I think with the help of Home, Home Energy Scotland, some fuel top-ups. So all these sort of really basic needs, which people have needed beforehand, frankly speaking, but it just became more plain in that after period and very suddenly that, you know, there was with people not being able to go out and people going on furlough or losing jobs, that there was going to be a real acute need for this sort of thing. We were offering food for a long time. I think the only reason we stopped was we basically ran out of resources to offer it any, any longer, but we would have continued offering it if we could. And I think that one of the problems that we're going to see is that there are still quite a lot of restrictions on people's lives. Uh, things like furlough might end and people's job security. It's, people's jobs aren't any more really secure, unfortunately. So I think what we'll see in is the need will continue, but the ability to support people in the need is going to be a lot, is going to be quite diminished. What's driven everything that I've done, and I know it's similar for my colleagues at Crown Hill Development Trust and my colleagues at other organisations, is that we're just trying constantly to think about how to reach the different people in different circumstances. So... I think a lot of organizations have been really good about keeping in touch with each other and sort of asking, well, how are you doing this? And then well, how are you doing this? And, oh, that's a really good idea. We'll try that sort of thing. <laughs> and just recently we were, we were advising another group about uh, the kind of portable Wi-Fi devices that we were using when we were funding people's internet connections. Uh, and they're going to go up and use that. So it's for people in different circumstances, you have to approach them in different ways, but and in some cases, it's not always possible, but it is just a case of doing our best for those that need it the most. My name's Donna Machocha, and half of the time I'm a a professional musician and songwriter and the rest of the time I am the project coordinator and creative lead for Ensemble. Yeah, so Ensemble is a songwriting and music project which is all about working with young people, um, many who have experience of homelessness, um, seeking asylum or mental health issues. Um, who we were providing support to and we felt that Ensemble was a much more meaningful way of working with 
people, engaging with them, doing something interesting and providing a creative outlet. And yeah, we recruited a bunch of professional musicians to collaborate with uh, young people on songs that are about their experiences or just about anything at all they want to write about. Most of the people that we work with have absolutely no musical skills or experience. Um, that's not necessary to take part. So yeah, you just have to love love music to take part and you don't have to perform or play anything. That's what the musicians are there for. That's it. It's, it's involves lots of different activities and exercises that build towards finished songs, uh, releasing singles, releasing albums, uh, and then hopefully when things return to some sort of normality, live concerts again, because that was a huge part of the project is sharing the songs that people have written. Um, yeah, so um, we received our recent bunch of funding at the start of the year, and then obviously that we had to totally change our plans, so we came up with a new project plan that we uh, proposed to Creative Scotland, um, which they were more than happy with, and it was all about collaborating online. So using Zoom, using phone calls, uh, sending demos back and forth, but still having musicians and volunteers working with people on songs. And yeah, it's progressing well. I mean, it's obviously different and you lose the, you know, that connection when you're in the room with people. The songwriting workshops really did create a family almost. It's, yeah, that was, yeah, nothing can compete with that. But um, I'm just so glad we've been able to continue being creative online uh, because it's it's an enormous outlet for everyone involved and for that to stop um, when things are so difficult already for a number of people um, for that then to get even worse during the pandemic and then to not been able to access these creative opportunities um, yeah so we, we felt like we just had to make it work. Ensemble is like its own community. Um, it's everyone being there for each other, um, everyone having a voice, um, people who are maybe not heard from uh, as often as they should be, uh, having just as much as equal a say and being listened to just as much as everyone else. Um, so I'm Louise McCraw, uh, I'm a musician with Ensemble. Um, I also write and record my own things as Goodnight Louisa. Um, I got involved with Ensemble through one of the sort of creators and leaders, um, Donna. We were actually um, co-writing songs together and she asked me if I wanted to volunteer as part of the project. Um, Ensemble's been nothing short of like a life-altering experience for me personally just because it's made my love of music like so much stronger than it's ever been before and knowing that I can like help people through writing music and writing songs and watching remarkable people just grow and I think it's just very rewarding. Tonight, and I'm waiting for 
My name's uh, Andrew Sinclair. Uh, I was a participant of Ensemble, and now I'm an Omnicord God. When, before, I used to always want to do something. Like instead of taking that risk, I would talk myself out of it all the time. And uh, that, that song's about just finding that, that little bit of gratitude at the end, where I've made that leap, leap of faith, and it's kind of turned out all right, you know? Yeah, I, I, I find it hard to get that message out myself. So it was good to have uh, Louise there who could take it and spread it using her voice. <laughs> like talking, talking through someone else. Music is all about communities, like even different genres, they all have their communities. Whether that's rave, rap, metal, punk, reggae, electric, they all have their groups and they all welcome each other in no matter what. They're always helpful and they'll be there welcoming and warm to anyone. Yeah, you just say one band and someone go, oh, I like them as well. <laughs> That, that can just build, it can build from let's go see them at concert, let's, let's go to a festival, let's do this, everything. It's just that one song could spring so many ideas. Everyone knows you, you know them, and they will look after you, you look after them. It's one for all and all for one, in a way, the way I see it. That's what community is. Stephanie McChrystal. Um, Nightlight, it's a song from my brother. So when we grew up, we were in abusive kind of households. Um, so we, we we were by ourselves a lot and we, we kind of, you know, bonded a lot. And um, uh, like 2016, 2017, he ended up um, having a, like psychosis, kind of schizophrenia kind of thing. And um, the song was basically kind of a, like a reminder that everything's gonna be gonna be fine and that I'm always here. But if you feel lonely now, I promise it will last forever. When I was 16, I had to go homeless um, from my mum's house. I ended up moving out. 
and um, uh, I had a support worker called Tony, Tony uh, McNamee, and um, he said to me one time, oh, there's this kind of like musical group, like kind of thing, if you want to write a song, blah, 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 um, it, it looks really fun, do you want to come with me? Like, I think it'd be really good to kind of get me out of the house, everything like that. I remember walking up the stairs and I remember standing with like Tony outside the door and I was like, I can't do it, I can walk in. He was like, you're fine, you're fine, I'll walk first, blah, blah, blah. Walked in, I was greeted by Michael Timmons and he's such an angel and he's so sweet and he was like, hello, I'm Michael, blah, blah, blah. Signed our names and we got given cake and hot chocolate and tea. It's good, made friends straight away, kind of. I was quite quiet at the start. Like I'd never written a song before, like this was my first time. You know, we anxious me showing up. Um, it was it was really good. Ensemble was like such a welcoming place. Like I've never felt so like welcomed before in my life. I, I'm diagnosed with social anxiety. So as a kid, it was like when I started. When I was younger. It was like t 12 to 14. Like going up on the stage, I remember being terrified. And I think Ensemble helped a lot with that. Cause I, the, like last time I sang in front of people, like before we'd done the concert in St Luke's Church. Um, I'd like plucked up the courage to like sing in front of people at the end. Um, I'd wrote a song, I'd sang in front of everyone and Donna was crying and then I was crying and it was like really emotional but it's helped a lot so I've grown a lot since I was like a kid kind of thing so. You know it's cliche when you're like oh it changed my life, it genuinely did, like I haven't felt this confident in myself and since, since I was about 12 like I haven't felt this sense of like I don't know like trust in myself kind of thing. It's a place where you can feel safe with people. You know, you can go and you can like, you can share stories and you can like share your troubles and stuff like that. And there's no judgment at all. Like that's that's what I'd say. Like a, a community, you have to feel safe and loved and kind of like not judged at all. This episode was made by Ken, who makes the podcast Refugee Voices Scotland. And Sadie, who makes the podcast Accentricity. Thank you to Tawona, Organia Matope, Christine, Sebastian, David, Donna, Michael, Louise, Stephanie and Andrew. Thanks also to Bella. You can find links to more information about our interviews, our other podcasts and the UNESCO Chair for Refugee Integration through Languages and the Arts in the show notes. In episode four, you'll hear from a community arts hub, one of the country's largest social enterprises, the Share My Voice project, and a musician. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the UNESCO Chair in Refugee Integration Through Languages and Arts, a podcast series to make you think more information about work can be found on the website of the University of Glasgow, www.gla.ac.uk. Thank you very much.